And you're listening to KPFA. The time is 3.30. Stay tuned. Next, Cover to Cover with host Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture, drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and today I have a whole bunch of folks. I have um, one, two, three of them, yes. I have um, actors, I have a director, a writer... And, oh, yes, um, let's see. Uh, the first one up, we're going to go linear. Otherwise, you're going to get them all mixed up. First today, we have The Domestic Crusaders. This is the title of a two-act play. And we have the writer and the director. And the premiere is coming up uh, Friday, April 30th. And we're pushing a performance at the Oakland Main Public Library, 125 14th Street in Oakland. And I'll repeat that when we finish so you can write it down because, you know, first we have to read you some of the play to see if you want to come. <laughs> it's it's uh, an authentic, albeit fictional, portrayal of some upper-middle-class Muslim Americans. They all get together uh, for the occasion of the 21st birthday of the youngest child. We have three generations. We have the old man, then we have um, a husband and wife, and three children. Carla, is that right? Yes, three adult children. Okay, it's mm-hmm. Carla Blank who is directing this show. And uh, let's see, it says this is a first-time collaborative experience between writer, director, audience, and actors who are almost all members of the Bay Area Pakistani-American community. Now... The playwright is a mere 23-year-old. He looks very serious, very serious bedroom eyes, yes. Graduate from University of California, Berkeley, resides in Bay Area, and this is his first play. (laughs) Welcome, welcome to hell. Yes, it's a rough go. Thanks for having us here. Appreciate it. Sure, sure. Pronounce your name for me or I'll mess it up. Okay, the name is Wajahat Ali. Wajahat is that right? You got it. Wajahat Ali. Okay. Uh, he has written this play, and what I want to do, because time is short, is I want to jump right in to give you a little taste of, I don't want to give you the old stereotypical, you know, this is not a dysfunctional family, but obviously they've got some adjustments to make after 9-11. <laughs> a lot of adjustments to make. A lot of adjustments to make. And so they've gotten together for their um, Christmas, their um, birthday party. And let's see, would you set up the first scene for me? 
guys. This is basically a kitchen drama. A lot of this play happens in the kitchen, and a lot of this is uh, the... The discussion between the generations centers around food, so a lot of issues are worked out over preparations of food and selection of what the menu is going to be. Uh, the uh, mother is from Pakistan. The children were all born in the United States, um, and so there's all kinds of differences in their uh, beliefs of how to practice their Muslim religion of how much of their Pakistani heritage to wear on their person. Are they non-hijab? Are they hijab? Yeah, the they, mother is the traditionalist. Yes. More or less. Yeah. Yes. Mother's a traditionalist uh, wanting to per- to bestow those cultures to uh, and those traditions to her children. Her daughter, the 24-year-old, has now just recently started to wear the hijab and goes to protests and rallies and wants to be a lawyer after 9-11. And they have a lot of friction there. Also, a little bit of the marriage talk, which is universal. The elder child, Asal, is the quote-unquote Americanized one, kind of doesn't partake too much in the religion and or the culture. And we've got a father-son conflict. And we have a father-son conflict. And the youngest child is trying to be the golden child, and he has a secret. Everyone has secrets in this play. Ah, yes, it's very good for actors. You know, you (laughs) you always got to have a secret, and everybody has to discover it. Anyway, yeah, this is called The Domestic Crusaders, and it's a two-act play. Let's read the scene. Okay, this is a a scene from Act 2 where the father, uh, his name is Salman, discusses what his boss uh, told him. It's a key point in the play, and the boss's name is Hunter, and I'll be playing Hunter. And this is Hunter's voiceover. Sally, my boy, we love you here, you know that. But uh, we've decided to give this job to one of your boys, Abdullah. Oh. Oh, I knew you'd be happy. Heck, you can barely contain your surprise or excitement. I understand. See, we're sending Abdullah because here's a young Arab man who is absolutely serious about his Middle Eastern Arabic roots and dedicated to his religion and culture. And it's exactly that image we need to drive home to our foreign investors and current business partners that we, as Americans, respect their exalted culture and Arabesque heritage. And to prove it, we're going to send them one of their own, Abdullah. That authentic image we're going to sell them needs a certain kind of representation that only Abdullah, God bless him, has in spades. Oh, but don't worry, Sally. You'll be working for Abdullah right here in the States, giving him all the assistance and help I know you're capable of. God bless you. <laughs> and another scene? This one is, um, there are various moments in the play when the television gets turned on and uh, various networks are uh, looked at. In this case, this is a discussion between probably two Fox News type. Maybe, maybe. Maybe, or, yeah, yeah. well, we won't say with TV. So uh, the narr- there is a narrator, by the way, in this play uh, that we are using because this is a staged reading and uh, the narrator is helping the audience visualize all the th- set and uh, props and other actions perhaps that are not being realized so the narrator says uh, Salman uh, the father increases the volume of the TV and all can hear it as Kulsoon who's the mother takes out chai for everyone in a tray 
Do you have a copy? I don't, but okay. why don't you do both? Al says, you know, Anne, how can you say the president has the right to increase our military defense budget to record highs, continue to keep our troops in hostile land without giving the American people any honest... Whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute there, Al. No, says Al, let me finish, Anne. He hasn't given any direct honest answers as to when this so-called war will be over and when the troops will come home. Anne says, I can't believe I'm hearing this. Only an anti-American traitor would openly mock and question our president and accuse him of lying. <laughs> Al says, wait, I didn't say he was lying. Anne says, no, you said he was lying and he doesn't give any straight, honest answers and this war is a sham. Al says, I didn't say the war was a sham, only that it seems to have no definite end and Anne says, it will only end when these monsters and terrorists and Al-Qaeda and fundamental Fundamentalist regimes renounce their hatred and extremism and learn to love and embrace democracy and freedom and American values such as tolerance and separation of church and state and God willing good hygiene. Al says, Anne, how do you expect them to love us when we are invading and bombing their countries and homes? Anne says, that's the problem. They don't understand. They just don't get it. We're not invading them. Hello, stupids. We're liberating you. <laughs> and which... Which one of them would be the one who votes for Nader? <laughs> you know, I want to ask you a question. Just this is just me, and I won't, I won't um, take any more time. But I just want to ask you this one foolish question. Uh, somebody asked me once many years ago. They said, uh, "They said, is it true that the test for intelligence in the West is our capacity to express our thoughts, to get it out, you know, and have everybody understand us, whereas?" The test for anyone in an Arab culture, anyone in an Arab culture, at least in the East, the Arab test is a test for intelligence, is having the skill to conceal your thoughts and to keep a secret. You know, it's that. I remember we used to have a sign. Um, oh, I forget which play it was. Anyway, the, the um, Arab character it said uh, uh what is it oh you are very inscrutable too dear <laughs> you know <laughs> yes. you know it's it's, it's a cliche it's a, definitely a cliche yeah. it's the uh, arabesque arabesque cliche yeah but where where does that come from is that is that the books the plays i don't have that much um in my own you know all i know are the women that i've interviewed here and their books and it seems to me that they are uh, astonishingly forthcoming. And astonishingly forthcoming, very opinionated, very intelligent, uh, brash at times with and their and opinions. They tell you everything. And they'll you tell know. you everything. And they're not to the kind of be whipped and subdued at all. And much less uptight than your average um, American woman writer who uh, thinks she has something uh, to, what is it, to be ashamed of, to hide, whatever that's all about. But I won't get into it. It's, it's interesting, though, because it's... It's the cliche that I was raised on, and I've always wondered, uh, you know, maybe we got it from the movies? <laughs> You've definitely gotten a lot from the movies, and whatever happens with a, a minority group is whenever a, a voice imposes their voice on them and speaks for them, then they're drowned in yeah. silence. And what you get is caricatures and stereotypes. Yeah, I would have said, you see, that that's the kind of cliche would apply, say, to men and women, you know, uh... Um, we had a program here early on, early days, for women years ago called Unlearning to Not Speak. And I remember I went to a woman's college and they said, well, one of the reasons you're here, girls, is to learn how to speak up. Because if you go to a co-ed college, you won't learn how to speak up, you know. 
And I said, no, be ridiculous. I'm speaking up all my life. <laughs> and they said, well, then you don't need to go. <laughs> you know, but they, I, I take their point. There is that situation in which most people know enough to keep their mouths shut because anything they say will do nothing but get them in deeper, you know. And in this play, if I've done my job correctly, and my only one main ambition is that people leave seeing human beings, human beings who happen yeah. to be Muslim, human beings who happen to be Pakistani, human beings who happen to be American. And we, our director is Russian-Jewish. The producer, Ishmael Reed, Pilisha nominated, is uh, African-American. The graphic artist is an Asian-American female, all donating their services for free. So it's really resonated uh, powerfully across the spectrum. And the women in this play are very opinionated. Good, good. Ishmael Reed, as you said, is the producer of this play. Everybody in the Bay Area knows Ishmael. The play is The Domestic Crusaders, a two-act play by a first-time young playwright. Uh, fantastic. Um, trying to think. Tell us just one or two more things about the play. I, I don't, I don't want you to tell us, you know, who wins or which ideology comes out on top, but the difficulty here, again, uh, I, I, I don't know, it's like, oh gosh, uh, you know, when we're trying to use a play as a forum, a political forum, you know, it gets harder and harder. We all want to be politically correct and so forth. And it's very hard to have uh, characters be real, that is to sometimes be perfectly awful, you know, because we don't, we don't want anybody, oops. We got him. <laughs> There's a special punishment. Put a quarter in the jar. <laughs> anyway, no, you know, I, 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 what I saw, I'm such, I'm so prickly. I immediately saw this little thing about the traditional mother, and I thought, oh dear, we're going to blame mom again for. Not <laughs> no, at all. No, Not no, at all. No. It's it's yeah. it's so it's a. As it calls like a, a cocktail of ideas, thoughts, mm -hmm. ideologies. Mm -hmm. Each person is different. Mother has her rant, father has her rant, son has his political ideologies, generational, political, religious, spiritual, and in the end, family. It's all there, and I tried to be as honest as possible for each character. I think everyone gets a fair shot, and everyone gets a fair hit. Fantastic. Carla, let's see, you are the author and editor of the recently released historical reference, Rediscovering America, the Making of Multicultural America, 1900 to 2000, from Three Rivers Press. I want you to give me a copy of that book, and All we right. will talk again <laughs> for a radio show. But tell me, with your background here, you've got mm -hmm. 35 years of, of uh, work behind you. Uh, how did you how did you connect up with this project? Did Ishmael ask you to? Yes, well, Rajahid was a student of Ishmael's, and uh, uh -huh. he was writing a short story because it was a short story class. And uh, he told Rajat, you're, you know, you're, I, I can't quote exactly what he said, but he thought that his dialogue was so outstanding that he said, you should just write a play. Right, right. And mm -hmm. uh, Rajat uh, just needed to learn what the standard formatting of playwriting was, and, and I happened to have... You've know, been uh, quite a student of how to put play together for publication purposes. So I came on as a consultant, basically, and this project has just sort of mushroomed from that, uh, and it keeps on developing and developing and developing. Uh, I have directed community theater and a lot of uh, workshopped a lot of original work throughout my career. So that uh, the actors, interesting enough, are none of them are professionals. They are. Um, 
people who are uh, in computer programming, uh, school teachers, students, uh, various kinds of uh, jobs in the Bay Area. And uh, we uh, actually found most of them through an auditioning process by uh, advertising on the Internet. Uh, we knew a, a few of them from previous parts of our lives, but some of them were complete strangers to us, too. But you're, you're all six actors uh, are part of the Bay Area's Pakistani-American community. They're all... Yes. Pakistani. That's no, well, one woman actually was born in India and as uh, in Bombay, and she is Muslim. She's been living in the United States mm-hmm. for 30 years. Mm-hmm. She's playing the mother, but everyone else is either uh, born in Pakistan or mm-hmm. their parents... From Pakistan. I think you're under something. I'm going to get this videoed and we'll get it on the mass media. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Take the video. Yes. yes, I think you know, we the two pieces that we selected from this are maybe a bit distorting because uh, what's going on throughout most of the play is really these people dealing with each other and confronting each it's other. It's a human drama, yeah. family yeah. drama. Yeah. Yeah, it's we used to call this the psychodrama. You have to get in there. Yes. My favorite, I think, the last play I wrote it was uh, what one person split into three, and she nearly murdered herself. But we put three bodies on the stage. Oh, you know, and gave her different names. You know, yes. over the time we get through, you yes. know, get to the bottom of this thing. I want to give you numbers first. The Domestic Crusaders information. Right. Call five one zero. This is the big number, folks. So get three, this number three seven five two two five three. You can go on to our website, www.domesticcrusaders.com. That's D-O-M-E-S-T-I-C-C-R-U-S-A-D-E-R-S dot com. What about that? That number? that number is from a cell phone that got okay. stolen. Okay. <laughs> Mark that off. Okay. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah, please, please visit that website. It has all information. Uh, we're really plugging these free shows at Oakland Public Library. Right. has a... Uh, you know, kindly enough, it's a main supporter of this uh, play, and it's May 1st and May 2nd, at one, free show. At 125 14th Street, that's right near uh, Lake Merritt in Oakland. And their number is 510-238-3134. Those free shows are at 2 p.m., May 1st and May 2nd, and the same quality show as a Friday premiere, just that there's no food. So we have. And this is yeah. This is the stage reading, folks, and it's free, free, free. No cash needed. Once again, right, 125 14th Street in Oakland. That's not so hard to find. What's the closest Bart stop? Uh, I think it's between 12th and 19th. Street. Yeah, 19th. Uh-huh. Yeah, the 14th, the 12th yeah. Street Bart. I right. think is yeah, the 12th right. Street Bart, Oakland Main Library. Once again, folks, that's two in the afternoon. Did on, you say that there was another? On Sunday. And yes, uh, two on Saturday and yep. two on Sunday, both. Two, two o'clock both mm-hmm. days. The library opens at one. There are no reserved seats. It will be first come, first serve. And we expect a large crowd for both yeah. shows. And this is the phone number, right? That's the phone number, right? Okay, it's in the five and dime area code. Once again, if you have your pencil out, it's 238-3134. Give them a call. I will leave this note with the numbers at the front desk. So you can call KPFA later, but it would help us if you would write it down now because people go home at 4 o'clock here, folks. Uh, Anyway, let's see. It's called The Domestic Crusaders. And I want to thank the playwright and the author for coming in today. The director is uh, Carla Blank. The author, the playwright is Wajahat. Is that right? You got it. Wajahat. Wajahat, second syllable. Much better than 
anyone else has done well, Jahat, first Ali. time in my whole life. <laughs> you know what it is with Anglophiles like me, you know, you can't pronounce a name and you just just gets you all twisted, gets your knickers in a knot. Mine's a tough one, it's trisyllabic, so you, you did a good There's one. A t- and that's true. I, I, I had a woman on the other day, she wrote, uh, she did a new translation of the Kama Sutra. Anyway, I said, uh, Arundhati Roy, and she said, no, 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 it's Arundhati Roy. I said, what, 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 you know, is that right? Yeah. Arundhati Roy. So I've been practicing that one, and here I've been saying Arundhati Roy since, you know, you know. It's so humiliating. Anyway, I thank you guys for coming in. Um, Thank you for having us. Thank you. I certainly hope, you know, that uh, we get a big audience for this, because this is overdue and much needed, you know. It's amazing. You'd think we would have this sort of thing going on in every high school in town. Now, we got to quickly go to... An open forum on Haiti. We have here the, let's see, it's the, your last name, dear, is L-A-B-O-S-S-I-E-R-E. Yes, Maria Labossiere. You pronounce it for me. Your husband, Pierre, didn't make it. No, he couldn't, unfortunately. And your name, first name is spelled? M-A-R-I-A, Maria. Oh, Maria. Yes. Okay, Maria, that's easy. That one I can do. I, I'm a little, I'm a little bit retarded, but I can do Maria. Okay. Your husband, it says here, is a longtime Haitian activist and founder of the Haiti Action Committee. Uh, and he's on the board at Global Exchange. Now, tell me what's going to happen. Uh, Dennis Bernstein and, uh, one, two, three, four, five other people are going to be at the Penn, Oakland and Pro Arts Open Forum on Haiti Sunday, May 2nd at five o'clock. It's in the Pro Arts Gallery, 550 2nd Street in Oakland, Jack London Square, free to the public. And we're going to talk about Haiti, and it's an open mic goodie. Okay, now, as you know, as everybody who listens to KPFA knows, Dennis Bernstein is very hot on this subject. That's exactly right. He's going to moderate. And what's going to happen? It's actually... um it's more uh, an, an opportunity to educate the public mm-hmm. um, about the situation in Haiti and uh, the mainstream media, the corporate media has been doing a very uh, poor job, I could say. I call them the, uh, uh, the mass media is a weapon of mass, mass disinformation, disinformation. disinformation. So the truth has not been told for the general public to know. So uh, we are putting this event together to really tell the truth and, and um, um, s- tell people what the situation is like in Haiti and what the people are going through right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are um, uh, suffering. Uh, they are under repression. They are under an occupation. And uh, they cannot um, uh, protest like they used to to do when President Aristide was was there. So um, the uh, U.S. administration is saying that the people are better off now. Aristide is not there, and um, that's not what I hear when I talk to them daily. They can't. Um, they have no electricity. Uh, they can't go to the street to protest like they used to do. Um, the opposition used to do that when President Aristide was in power. And the Poirot people used to also demonstrate, but now nobody can do that. If they do, they get shot at. Um, they, the food, the price of food has doubled um, since uh, President Aristide left office. And, uh, I mean, the situation is, is grave. It's pretty dire. And um, what uh, the U.S. administration is also saying is uh, it's like uh, things are back to normal. And they are at this point denying um, refugees 
um, political asylum. I spoke with a lady in Miami today who works with uh, the refugees and they have applied for political asylum and they are telling them now that the situation is fine mm -hmm. in Haiti and that they're not going to give them any political asylum and of course if they do give them political asylum that means that the situation then is not as good as they say it is. Um, however, I received an email today from uh, a person who's part of um, a delegation um, that Haiti Action Committee has been putting together uh, for people to go to Haiti to see the situation firsthand. And in the email, uh, the person wrote, I've uh, photographed pictures of tortured bodies, murdered sons, and baby daughters that fathers in hiding cannot see. However, the people have such pride and dignity in spite of the situation. And as one person said, to be a Lavalas, it is to be a criminal. So the Lavalas people, the poor democracy people in Haiti are now being hunted down. So we need to let the public know really what is going on. I've heard just little scraps and bits. A few things got onto NPR about... Uh, corpses filling the hospitals no some stuff but basically as you say this media is a weapon of mass distraction disinformation yeah it's like well that was last week you know that's all over with it's gone you know was about a week, and it suddenly it just disappeared from the agenda. Period. Well, it's still going on right now. Oh yeah, uh, it is pretty pretty grave, and uh, people who are trying to flee are uh, being returned uh, back to Haiti. And uh, on top of the news hour at three o'clock, um, I heard a report where um, the um, Jamaican. Um, uh, Government has been has been receiving lots of refugees, and they 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 are overwhelmed. So they are asking for help from uh, from the United Nations. Yeah, they won't get any from Washington, I'm sure. Oh, of course not. No, no, I don't know what that. I, I I don't. I mean, the little bits of reporting that I hear, you know, it seems that Jamaica's risking a lot. They are to try and even help as much as they have. Yes, they are. They are actually under um, great, great pressure from the U.S. Uh, administration to expel President Aristide, and in fact, they are demanding the 15 uh, Caribbean nations to recognize the uh, the current uh, prime minister or uh, the the so-called prime minister of Haiti imposed on the Haitian people by the U.S. government. So they are being they are, the the Caribbean nations are being demanded. They are being demanded by the Bush administration to recognize the prime minister in Haiti, which does not represent the people, actually. Are there any groups or NGOs or, I mean, non-governmental organizations, anybody who is um, not official, you know, that's trying to help out in any way, and can they, you know, do they have access to the, the country? Can they get in? Um, yes, um, people can get in if they want to. Actually, that's that's uh, in great need right now. Um, there are lots of NGOs in Haiti, but those are like uh, being supported by the U.S. Uh, uh, government, by the IRA and the the uh, the NED, which is the uh, 
democratic endowment, uh, what is it, the National Democratic, mm-hmm. democratic uh, Endowment for Democracy. Um, so these are not in the uh, interests of the people. Um, they are, in fact, uh, uh, giving the, mis- uh, the disinformation to the general public. But, of course, international NGOs, people from outside, can come in to help out. Um, there are lots of uh, other organizations, for instance, Lawyers Guild, uh, who's been now and there trying to document all the abuses um, that are going uh, going on in uh, in the Haitian society. Right I was going to say, uh, I have no idea. Is there any chance that Aristide can get back in? Is there is anything happening on that front? I guess it's a. Um, that's what we are working on. Yeah. We are. Um, telling the, the, the people of the world what really happened and how democratically a government was removed from office against his will and against the will of the people who voted for him. All they wanted is for their administration, for their president to finish his term and that for election to proceed. And uh, so, of course, they do not want that um, because uh, uh, the people who um, who want him out, um, they, they want him to pay taxes. Uh, that's the elite, and uh, they want them to pay the fair share in the Haitian society so the country can go forward, but they do not want our state back. But we are working, the people of Haiti are working to bring President Aristide back. And one other thing I'd like to say from the person who wrote that email to me regarding the current situation in Haiti, he said that in the street people are asking them, where is Aristide? When is he coming back? Mm-hmm. Is he coming back? We want him back, and we're not going to participate in elections, it's Aristide or nothing. All the small successes of Haitian democracy since 1990 have been trashed. One fell swoop from your government, folks. Uh, it's the date is May 2nd, 5 o'clock, five Sunday. 7 p.m. Right. Open forum on Haiti, 5 to 7, Pro Arts Gallery. 550 2nd Street in Oakland. That's Jack London Square. I'll leave this at the front desk, folks. Open forum on Haiti. Open mic. If you want to come and participate in the discussion, talk about, you know, canceling the debt, all these good things that we hope maybe can happen. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back on the air Thursday morning at 8.20. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can.